The internet in 2009 was such a fever dream. <laughs> I was busy watching YouTube videos like David After Dentist and I'm on a boat by the Lonely Island. Everybody on the internet was buzzing about slumdog millionaires sweeping the Academy Awards and everyone was walking around saying, thanks, Obama. 2009 also gave us the first appearance of Slenderman on the Something Awful Forum. The creepypasta internet meme was created by Eric Knudsen for a Photoshop contest where users were told to create paranormal images. The two Slenderman images that he created went viral and they went on to inspire art, cosplay, and fan fiction. A YouTube web series, Marble Hornets, was created just days later that now consists of over 92 videos and over 100 million views. Slenderman gave us video games, movies, and then a bunch of moral panic when parents started warning that Slenderman was a threat to their children, a threat to their safety, and was causing some children to become violent or even suicidal. So today I'm going to tell you about one of those violent outbursts when in 2014, two 12-year-old girls stabbed their best friend in the name of Slenderman. Welcome to the Cleaning and Crime Podcast. My name is Elise, and my podcast is called What It Is because I have a weekly YouTube series where I post a cleaning motivation video while at the same time I'm telling you a true crime story. I know, it's weird, but I love it. I love to listen to true crime while I clean, so obviously I merge the two. But not everybody is into the cleaning footage, and some people just straight up like to listen to their true crime and not watch it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. You can also find the crime-only video version of today's story on my YouTube channel, which will be linked in the show notes if you want to watch instead of just listen. Trigger warning, this is a true crime podcast, so be sure to check the show notes on this episode for specific trigger warnings. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Quick heads up, I'm taking next week off of crime to spend the entire week doing yard work. The weather is right and I have a lot of work to do. If you don't know, I live on over 60 acres. So when I tell you I have a lot to do out there, I have a lot to do out there. So thank you so much for understanding, and I will be back on May 22nd with a new episode of Cleaning and Crime. Now, on to the story. Now, I went to college in Waukesha, Wisconsin, so I know it well, and that is where our story takes place today. They have delicious water, and when the wind blows just right, it smells like Miller Lite. <laughs> anyway, let's start from the beginning. Peyton Leitner, whose friends called her by the nickname Bella and Morgan Geyser had known of each other since kindergarten, but they became BFFs in fourth grade when Peyton noticed that Morgan was sitting alone at lunch, and she thought nobody deserves to eat lunch alone, and went over and sat with Morgan, and the two after that were inseparable. Morgan would later describe Peyton as my only friend for a really long time, and Peyton described Morgan saying, quote, she was pretty funny, I'll give her that. She had lots of jokes to tell, she was great at drawing, and her imagination always kept things fun, end quote. They loved to play pretend, and they loved to pretend to act like cats together, and they really bonded over their love for cats. Like, Morgan was always pretending to be a cat, and Peyton was always drawing cat whiskers on everything, she always had cat whiskers drawn on her hand. Like, that's a best friend bond in fourth grade. Like, you love cats? I love cats. Did we just become best friends? In sixth grade, however, Morgan introduced a third friend into the friend group, Anissa Wire. Now, Anissa and her parents all say Anissa. I heard a lot of people say Anissa, but I'm going with Anissa because that's how her and her parents say it. Now, Morgan and Anissa met on the bus, so they lived really close together, and they hit it off right away. And Morgan was so excited to have a friend that lived so close to her, and she was super excited to introduce her new friend to her best friend Peyton. 
Peyton, however, was not super into Anissa and vice versa. That sucks, man. Like, you can imagine it, can't you? Like, being 12 and a new friend gets introduced to the friend group and somebody always ends up feeling like a third wheel, you know? Being 12 is hard, man. Peyton wasn't a fan of Anissa because she said she was pretty cruel to her and she always acted jealous. Like, she was jealous that Morgan was friends with Peyton and with her. But Peyton kept hanging out with them because it was like, Morgan was her best friend and she could tell Morgan really liked Anissa, so she was just trying to be a good friend. When Anissa joined the group, she introduced Morgan to some internet stories about Slenderman. Slenderman is a very tall, faceless man who preys on children, and when he attacks, at his will, can release tentacles out of his back, and he strangles his victims. He could kill a kid in, like, three seconds. Also, he's always in a suit. Snappy dresser. Morgan was amazed, enthralled. She was obsessed with the stories of Slenderman. And after tons of research and learning everything there is to know about this guy, Morgan actually believed that she saw Slenderman when she was five. So Morgan and Anissa are really believing that Slenderman is real. And they are constantly on the Creepypasta website, learning as much as they can about Slenderman and constantly sharing stories with each other about him. And they kind of enjoyed spooking each other out. Everybody loves a spooky story, but these girls really believed that Slenderman was real. And Peyton was getting pretty freaked out by the story. So she actually went home to her mom, told her all about Slenderman and what the girls were saying and asked like, hey, is this like, is this real? Should I be worried? Peyton's mom was like, no, (laughs) as far as I know, there's no such thing as a faceless tentacle backed giant that likes to kill kids. They're just scary stories. There's nothing to be worried about. So Peyton goes back to Morgan and Anissa and she's like, look, I talked to my mom about Slenderman and she told me they're just stories and he's not real. But Morgan and Anissa were like, that's bullshit. He's absolutely real. So Peyton told the girls, look, you're freaking me out. I don't like the stories. They scare me. Like, can we not? Can we stop? But Morgan and Anissa refuse. They want to keep talking about Slenderman all they want. And this drives a further wedge into the friendship group. So Peyton was starting to realize that maybe this friendship with Morgan wasn't the healthiest, maybe not the best friendship. And she was actually thinking about breaking up, but she felt bad. Like she was Morgan's best friend and she just wasn't ready to just like rip the bandaid off and ditch her. You know, I had a friendship like that. Well, not not like exactly this, but just a friendship where, you know, it's not the healthiest. And you know, when it was the most tumultuous was fifth and sixth grade, like freaking puberty, right? But it took me years to rip off the Band-Aid and break up with her. It wasn't until like the summer before high school started that I told her I didn't want to be her friend anymore because it's so hard. Like friendship breakups are the hardest, harder than romantic relationships sometimes. So I get it. But little did Peyton know that sticking around in this friendship would almost be the death of her because Morgan and Anissa started planning murdering Peyton in the name of Slenderman. Yeah. You see, during their research, the girls learned that Slenderman had proxies or servants. And if you earned his trust, you could go live with Slenderman at his mansion in the woods. Yeah, I guess Slenderman has a mansion in the middle of the Wisconsin woods. So, And if you're his servant, you can go over there and watch the Packers game, maybe eat some cheese curds. You could even drive over to the Supper Club in Baraboo. I don't know. (laughs) But I guess if you don't earn the trust and respect of Slenderman, he'll kill you or he'll kill your entire family. And how do you earn the trust of Slenderman? You kill someone. So the girls decided they needed to kill Peyton to earn the respect of Slenderman so they could go live with him at his mansion over there in Park Falls. And if they didn't do it, they believed Slenderman was going to kill their family. And for six months, Morgan and Anissa planned murdering their friend. 
They even came up with code words so they could talk about their plans in public. Like they used the word cracker when talking about a knife or the word itch instead of kill. So they could sit around in public and talk about killing their friend and nobody would know what they were talking about. And these are 12-year-old girls. Ultimately, the girls decided they should kill Peyton at Morgan's birthday slumber party. So on May 30th, 2014, the three girls spent hours roller skating at the local roller rink. They got some frozen yogurt and then they went back to Morgan's house to have a slumber party. Fun! Peyton said that she did notice that the vibes were off. Like when Peyton and Morgan had had sleepovers before, it was always a game of how late can we stay up? Can we pull an all-nighter? Because they weren't allowed to do that like on a regular day. But right when they got back to Morgan's, Morgan announced that she wanted to go to bed. She's like, I'm tired. We We need to go to bed right now. But like who... Who sleeps at a sleepover? <laughs> so the three girls just went to bed at a reasonable hour. But it was Morgan's birthday, so Peyton was like, okay, I guess we're going to sleep. Peyton said she should have noticed that things were weird. But like, how do you predict something like this is going to happen? The real reason that Morgan announced the early bedtime was because originally Morgan and Anissa were going to kill Peyton in her sleep at the slumber party. Their plan was to duct tape Peyton's mouth while she was asleep and then stab her in the neck and then leave the house and just leave Peyton there. That was the original plan. But they decided to bail on the plan because they were actually really tired from roller skating all day. So they're like, eh, we're just gonna kill her tomorrow. So they moved on to backup plan number one. Yikes. The next morning when Peyton woke up, she opened her eyes and realized the girls were gone. They were already downstairs eating breakfast without her. Rude. So Peyton got up, went downstairs and met the girls down in the kitchen. And again, the vibes were off. But they all had some donuts and fruit and they played some games and they were laughing and having a pretty good time after breakfast. And then Morgan got the bright idea. Hey, we should go to the park. Great idea. Sounds fun. So Morgan asked her mom if it was okay if the girls walked to the park that was nearby by themselves. Normally, Morgan's mother would have required adult supervision because they're 12-year-old girls. But it was Morgan's birthday. It was a slumber party. They were obviously itching for a little independence. And the park was nearby. So her mom's like, you know what? Go ahead. Go have some independence. Be safe. Stick together. Don't separate for any reason. And then come back at this specific time. Cool. So they get to the park and backup plan number one is that Morgan and Anissa wanted to kill Peyton in the public bathroom of the park because there's a drain in the floor for all of the blood, they said. So as soon as they get to the park, they're like, we have to pee. We got to pee. So they went to the public bathroom. As soon as they're in the bathroom, Anissa tells Peyton to pretend to be asleep. It'll be fun. Just pretend to sleep. And Peyton was like, "Mm, no, I thought we came in here to pee. I don't. What? But Anissa was actually just trying to get Peyton to close her eyes. And Anissa said she was doing this because, quote, from what I read on the computer, it's easier to kill people when they're either asleep or unconscious. But it's also easier if you just don't look them in the eyes, end quote. Yikes. So since Peyton was being difficult and didn't want to close her eyes and pretend to be sleeping, Anissa decided to try and knock her out. So Anissa hit Peyton in the forehead, which smacked the back of her head against the concrete wall of the bathroom. But Anissa did not hit Peyton hard enough to knock her out. It just hurt and pissed her off. So an argument ensued, obviously. Like, why the hell did you hit my head against the wall? Morgan then says to Anissa, I thought we agreed that you were going to do this. And then Morgan became obviously agitated and was pacing in circles. She was starting to freak out. Anissa said that she then had to hug Morgan and pet her like a cat. 
to calm her down. Peyton didn't know what the fuck was going on. She just wanted to go home at this point. Obviously. I mean, Anissa just smacked her head into a wall and now she's petting Morgan like a cat and they seem to both be freaking out. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. Things are definitely feeling super weird. But remember, they're 12. Like, there weren't that many problem-solving skills developed in their brains at this point. So Peyton's 12-year-old brain is like, boy, I can't wait for this birthday party to be over and not... I'm going to walk my ass home right now and call my mom, you know? So Anissa manages to calm Morgan down. And then Morgan suggests, hey, why don't we go for a walk? We'll walk into the woods and we'll play hide and seek. Great. Morgan later told police, quote, we led her there and tricked her. People who trust you become very gullible. And it was sort of sad, end quote. Chills. Full body chills. So they get to the woods and Morgan is like, okay, I'm it. So Anissa and Peyton were supposed to hide. Peyton remembers that Morgan was counting very quickly. Anissa tells Peyton, hey, you should lie down on the ground and like cover yourself with leaves. It'll be like a really good hiding spot, right? Peyton's like, yeah, that is a good idea. Cool. So she lays down. She starts putting leaves over her and Anissa runs away. She assumes Anissa's going to hide. Peyton then recalls hearing talking, like it was Anissa and Morgan talking. But before she could even lift her head up and look and be like, hey, why are you guys cheating at this freaking game of hide and seek? Morgan is suddenly on top of her. Boom, super fast, holding her down. And then Morgan says to Peyton, don't be afraid. I'm only a little kitty cat. And then stabs Peyton with a steak knife that she had taken from the kitchen before they left. I hate that. Why is that so terrifying to me? I'm only a little kitty cat? Holy shit. Now, Morgan didn't stab Peyton just once. She was like, stab, 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 stabbing. And Anissa was just standing there watching, and then she yells out, Now, kitty, go ballistic. Go crazy. Mm -mm. Morgan stabbed Peyton in the arms, the legs, and the torso, and she stabbed this girl a total of 19 times. Peyton was being held down. She's lying on the ground. And she said to Morgan, I trusted you. And then she said, I hate you. And I'll never forgive you for this. At this point, Morgan stood up and just started walking away. And Peyton actually tried to get up too, to try and get away. But she said she couldn't see and she couldn't really get up. And Anissa told her to lay down because that way she'll lose blood more slowly. And she told Peyton, don't worry, we're going to go get help. And they left her there. Of course, that was a lie. They were not going to get help. They needed to get walking because they needed to get all the way to the Nicolette National Park in Park Falls to Slenderman's mansion on foot. Listen, they were in Waukesha and they wanted to walk all the way up to the North Woods, my neck of the woods in Park Falls. That's almost 300 miles. And they just started walking and they left Peyton for dead, bleeding out in the woods. But Peyton, incredibly, did not die. Peyton later recalled that she didn't actually feel anything during the attack, which is good, I guess, because she thinks her body was in shock. Now, she was a smart cookie. She knew these bitches weren't coming back with help. And using trees as support and bleeding all over, she got herself out of the tree line because she wanted to get out in the open, hoping then somebody would find her. And just as she got out of the tree line, a cyclist came passing by at the end of Big Ben Road and he saw her. I mean, the timing. What a miracle. And he called 911 right away and then police and ambulances came very quickly. When the first police officer arrived, miraculously, Peyton was still conscious, still talking. And he asked her, who did this to you? And she said, my friend Morgan. 
Peyton said that her vision was going in and out when she was in the ambulance on the way to the hospital for emergency surgery. Peyton's mom said that she got to the hospital just as the nurses were like counting the wounds. And she was telling Peyton like, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. But she was looking at her daughter like she was covered. She was covered in stab wounds. The wounds to Peyton's arms and legs were obviously ouchy, but they were not life-threatening. But the ones to her abdomen were a big deal. One of them punctured her diaphragm, injured her liver and her stomach, and another stab wound narrowly missed her heart, almost hitting a major artery. And the surgeon said that if that knife had gone the width of a human hair deeper, she would have absolutely died. Peyton was in surgery for six hours, and when she woke up, she was given a whiteboard to communicate because she was intubated due to the diaphragm injury. And right away, she wrote Morgan and Anissa's names. But Morgan and Anissa had already been picked up by police and were at the station being questioned. They did not make it to the Northwoods on foot, and the girls were found sitting on the side of Interstate 94 with their backpack full of supplies to get them to Slenderman's mansion. They had walked for about five hours, and they had made it to the other side of Waukesha. But they definitely didn't make it 300 miles. Now, I have links and sources in my YouTube description box or in the podcast show notes so you can watch some of the clips of these police interrogations. I would just put it in right now, but I don't want to get hit with a copyright claim. But I highly recommend at least watching some of this footage because it sheds so much light into their mental state at this time. You can also watch the HBO documentary Beware the Slender Man, and it shows a ton of the footage. But I will warn you, it's two hours long and it's like 45 minutes longer than it needs to be. If you're going to watch it be prepared to skim hit that 15 second forward button a lot just an fyi but the interviews are fascinating to watch horrifying but fascinating now the girls are in separate rooms at the police station now in the state of wisconsin a minor can be interrogated without parental presence police did inform the parents of what was going on but they were not allowed in the room so each girl was alone with a detective interviewing them minors here can also drink alcohol at a bar or restaurant as long as they're with their parents and their parents say it's okay so things are a little different up here anyway both girls came right out and confessed morgan was well spoken and she sounded very intelligent the way that she spoke she explained that they stabbed Peyton and she explained all about Slenderman, but she also put most of the blame on Anissa, saying that the whole thing was Anissa's idea and that Anissa did a bunch of the stabbing as well. Morgan was emotionless, no empathy, no remorse, and she also spoke to the detective like, like she was a character in an A24 movie, like super cryptic. Like at one point, the detective asks her, why did you pick Peyton? to kill for Slender Man. And Morgan replied, oh, I didn't pick her. He did. And she also said, I didn't want to do this, but I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It was so cryptic. Anissa, however, was crying, trembling, meek, and she just told the cops everything. But like, she doesn't sound as mature, I guess, as Morgan. And we'll get to that. But you can tell she really believed in her mind that Slender Man was real and they were going to prove all the skeptics wrong. And like, she was upset about what had happened, but she felt that they had to do it or their families were going to be killed. I'm obviously not excusing what they did, but I'm just saying you can tell Anissa really believed all of this was true in her mind. You know, Morgan asked, is she dead? And the cop tells her, I don't know. I know she was brought to the hospital. And Morgan looks like shocked for a second. And then she goes, oh, I was just wondering. 
And then she said, well, I may as well just say it. We were trying to kill her. We stabbed her. And when she was asked to elaborate, she said, I already told you. It was like stab, 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 stab. And when she was asked what it felt like, she said it felt like nothing. It felt like air. When Anissa was told that Peyton survived, she was also shocked. And she said, so we can go back to school then? Like since she lived, we can all forget about this, right? Morgan was asked, did you feel bad stabbing your friend? And she replied, quote, I thought about it. But then I realized remorse would get me nowhere. It's easier to live without regrets. That gives me the shivers. They're 12. So Morgan tried to put a lot of the blame on Anissa. She said Anissa knew Slenderman, but Morgan didn't. She said Anissa said they needed to kill someone to become Slenderman's proxy. And she said that killing Peyton was Anissa's idea. Anissa said it was all Morgan's idea and that Morgan did all of the stabbing, but that they had both believed Slenderman was real and they both wanted to please him. The police were pretty damn sure that Morgan was the ringleader. And it was clear there was a lot of deception in her interview. Not to mention the complete lack of emotion or remorse. So the girls were arrested and they were charged with first degree attempted intentional homicide. And when Morgan's room was searched, they found tons of drawings of Slenderman all over her room, notebooks full of drawings and writings about him, and a bunch of mutilated dolls, one of which gave me Jasper the doll vibes, if you're familiar. And when they searched her computer, they found searches for how to get away with murder and what kind of insane am I? That's sad. That makes me sad. In her jail cell, Morgan was not doing well. And she said she was seeing unicorns. She spent her time talking to Slenderman and also to fictional characters from Harry Potter. And she collected ants in her cell and kept them as pets. And while in custody, both girls underwent psychiatric evaluations. And it was determined that Anissa had an undiagnosed learning disability. And she had fallen victim to Morgan's charms. And she was also diagnosed with depression and delusional disorder, which I hadn't heard that term before, but it's a psychotic disorder where someone has one or more delusions, typically an unshakable belief that something untrue is true, despite the average Joe knowing that that thing is untrue. Anissa was also described as unable to recognize fiction from folklore. Morgan was observed for 24 hours at a mental hospital, and she was diagnosed with early onset schizophrenia. At 12, that is some rare shit. But turns out Morgan's father had gotten the same diagnosis of early onset schizophrenia, and he had been institutionalized several times as a teenager. So we got some genetic components here. And he was diagnosed when he was 14, like still really freaking young. But from Morgan's parents' outside view looking in, Morgan was just a very creative girl who thought Slenderman was cool and liked to pretend to be a cat and had imaginary friends. Nothing was really setting off extreme alarm bells. But it turns out Morgan had been having vivid hallucinations starting at the age of three. And she had many imaginary friends. She saw beings behind her when she looked in the mirror. And she also believed she could communicate telepathically with fictional characters. Then right at this point, age 12, when she hit puberty, her symptoms became very, very severe, very, very quickly. And she was hearing voices leading up to the attack. 
When Morgan's mother described Morgan as a little girl, she said she was always just that kid who marched to the beat of her own drum. But in hindsight, looking back, she realized that there were always these moments where she seemed a little different, like she didn't show empathy or react like expected to movies. She recalled watching Bambi with her for the first time, and she was really worried that Morgan was going to get really upset when Bambi's mom died. But when Bambi's mom died, she yelled to Bambi, run, Bambi, save yourself. So... And she also knew about Slender Man and knew that she was interested in Slender Man, but there was no indication that Morgan actually believed that Slender Man was real. She just thought she was into it. She was into spooky stuff. Her mother also recalled that when she was Morgan's age, she was reading It by Stephen King. Like, she was into spooky stuff, too. So she just assumed her daughter was like her, you know? There were no big red flags or indicators that Morgan would suddenly turn violent like this. But it was determined that essentially the two of them together, Morgan and Anissa, were a dangerous combination and they fed into each other. In the state of Wisconsin, children as young as 10 can be charged as adults for violent crimes. And this was most certainly a violent crime. So both Anissa and Morgan were charged as adults. And while I get that, here's what I don't like. Because they were being tried as adults, they were not given the juvenile resources that they would have gotten were they tried as juveniles. So that means they were both locked up awaiting trial and were not given therapy, a social worker, no mental health resources, including medication. They gave Morgan her inhaler for her asthma, but that's it. No treatment for her new diagnosis of early onset schizophrenia. And this was detrimental, mostly for Morgan. So she gets this diagnosis, but then she's locked up in a cell for 19 months awaiting trial with no treatment. And being in a state of psychosis with no therapy and no medication, she quickly lost the ability to read and do math. And her condition deteriorated so much that it caused irreparable brain damage. So I don't love that. Like, obviously, she did something horrible. She almost killed her friend, but she was also a 12-year-old girl that was mentally ill and needed medical care. Now, when the trial finally rolled around in 2016, Morgan took a plea deal, but she was found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect, and she was sentenced to 40 years at Winnebago Health Institute in Oshkosh, where she remains today. Anissa pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of secondary attempted intentional homicide and was also found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. And she was sentenced to 25 years at a mental health institution. But she actually petitioned for early release after three and a half years, and it was granted, and she was released in 2021. She is required to live with her father, receive psychiatric treatment, she has a GPS tracker, and limited internet access. Peyton Leitner is doing very well. She made a full recovery. She did a public interview in 2019 with 2020 when she was 17, and she talked about her college plans and how she wants to work in the medical field, and she was super optimistic and super grateful. And when she was asked what she wanted Morgan to know, she said, quote, I would probably thank her. I would say just because of what she did, I have the life I have now. I really, really like it, and I have a plan. I didn't have a plan when I was 12, but I have one now because of everything I went through, end quote. Damn, Peyton, you are such a boss. She's 21 now and probably gearing up to finish college soon, and I wish her the best. This case, not the only instance of violence that Slender Man was blamed for. 
there were more. In June 2014, a 13-year-old girl attacked her mother with a knife in their kitchen. The mom managed to get control of the situation and get the knife back, but she was sliced up a bit in the process. The daughter said she didn't even remember the attack happening. And an investigation uncovered journals written by the daughter where she wrote stories about Slenderman and she had built a world for him in Minecraft. So Slenderman got the blame for that one too. And that's not all. On September 4th, 2014, allegedly a 14-year-old Florida girl set her family's home on fire while her mother and her nine-year-old brother were asleep inside. I guess she started a fire in the garage and was watching it for a while. But then when it got really big, she was like, "Uh uh-oh. And she just ran off and ran to a park nearby. Luckily, the smoke alarms went off and the mother and the brother were able to make it outside. But when the mother didn't see her daughter anywhere, she actually ran back into the burning house several times looking for her. Now, she did make it out okay, and the fire department came and everything, and everyone was uninjured. And then the mother starts getting text messages from her daughter from the park that said, quote, I'm so sorry, mom. I don't know why I did it. Did you guys get hurt? End quote. Oh, shit. She was questioned by police and she told them that she had fantasies about killing people and that she was obsessed with Slenderman. And in early 2015, there was an epidemic of suicide attempts by young people ages 12 to 24 on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And Slenderman was blamed for being an influence. And I mean, from 2014 to 2016, there was a lot of buzz of parents warning people of the dangers of Slenderman because he could make your children violent or suicidal. It was all Slenderman's fault. Kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. Back in my day when everybody blamed Marilyn Manson's music for everything. I think people need to just put the blame on something, you know? Well, anyway, that's the end of today's story. (laughs) I guess the moral of the story is stay out of Wisconsin. I don't know. We got a lot of shit going down up here. We got a lot of snow. We got Jeffrey Dahmer. We got Ed Gein. We got Slenderman. I don't know, man. If you're lactose intolerant or if you like being alive, uh, try, try Minnesota, I guess. I don't know. Thank you so much for listening to the Cleaning and Crime podcast. If you'd like more content from me or if you want to see the cleaning side of things, check me out on YouTube or TikTok or follow my socials, all of which are under the same name, Cialise. If you have any questions or case ideas to share, email me at cialiseclean at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you guys back here in two weeks for a new true crime story. Mwah! These episodes include my personal opinions, and all information is compiled by me using references that are publicly available. Sources are included in the show notes. All parties discussed are innocent until proven guilty. See you next time.